Welcome to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. This is a podcast where we talk all things culture, leadership and teamwork across business and sport. Hello everybody and welcome back. I'm Brendan Rogers, the host of the Culture of Things podcast and this is episode 8, part 2. This episode is the second half of my chat with Bernie Kelly. As a reminder, Bernie is an experienced executive who has led a number of turnaround and transformation periods across logistics, consumer products, and food and beverages. He has worked with approximately 100 leadership teams across Australia, New Zealand, and Asia, and is known for setting up leaders and leadership teams for success. If you haven't already, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode 8, part 1, before listening to this episode. If you have already listened to part one, let's dive into this episode as Bernie shares the other three disciplines of change fit leadership teams. We pick up the conversation where I ask Bernie about the second practice, explore. The explore is the um, the second practice. In my mind, I break the explore place into two parts, the uh, self-awareness stuff and that actually is, I think from a leadership point of view, just... um, exploring the gaps of your own own awareness you've probably played with the johari window or those sort of things in the past but just you know how there's so many things that there's the known knowns that you you know about me and i know about you but then there's also just these um, things that maybe you know about yourself but i don't know about you that are, that are open for exploring in the johari window and then there's stuff that actually even i haven't realized and you haven't realized about me as well and sort of you know pushing out that bigger sort of self-awareness is a part of the explore then confronting the reality the five whys sound so simple, but I've worked on many jobs where that digging deeper than those base assumptions, you know, why, what's behind it, what's behind it, why, why, why digging in. Really, so many breakthroughs happen when you have a, when you really explore reality. And I think a lot of the work that I sort of encourage in the practice of that is actually to um, reopen the curiosity, you know, the curiosity of children isn't to be found in many in many large organisations. And, and you think about we have amazing curiosity as, as humans and that's as evidenced by anyone who has ever been a child or seen a child. We have amazing curiosity where if you work in many institutions, um, a lot of that curiosity has been um, institutionalised out of us. In the explore practice, in many ways it's actually reigniting the natural power of curiosity and and i i love this practice because it does actually um you know really gets people engaged and a bit excited when they start to work on the explore the reality because quite often in the in many workplaces the busy busy busyness just doesn't give you the space for that we're giving people permission and getting them to use their their natural inquisitive nature is just such a really reignites teams linking back to the self-awareness and i, I just want to reiterate i guess from what i'm understanding so i I hear that that explore side is really uncovering what i would call blind spots in in your leadership or in your what people are seeing so uncovering blind spots now when you talk about the five whys and i agree it's a fantastic tool to really drill down when when used well to get to the root cause does that also sit on the if we think it back to self-awareness do the five whys and that real exploration and asking the question and digging down, does that apply to both behaviourally in that self-awareness yes. piece and also 
an issue that this team is trying to solve for the company? Definitely it does. No, no, that's a good, that's a really good pickup. So, so if you think about some of the wisest people you've ever met, they dig deep on what's going on around them. So one of the things that I think is quite fascinating in the study of curiosity, that there's actually different types of curiosity and there's people who avoid curiosity, right? But then there's also people that are very curious around technical matters and there's people that are curious around people matters and social matters. And, and I actually sort of in, in the book I sort of talk about, you know, fascination is the combination of both the technical and the social curiosities. Looking at both of those is um, – that is that heightened level of curiosity that is what I'm talking about here. So it's that combination of the deeper for myself as a leader, the dynamic in our team as a leadership team, but also um, other social factors about how are we actually being aware of what others need from us at the moment, as well as our own, you know, how we come how we come across to others, as well as um, you know digging into deeper, more systemic stuff. Yeah, but how our systems work and, and challenging assumptions everywhere. Mate, the conversations I've had with you pre this interview, I was pretty excited about getting your book, which is why I made sure I ordered it before this conversation. But I have to say I'm I'm super excited about getting it. I mean, what you're explaining to me and it just resonates, hopefully it resonates to a lot of other people and a lot of leaders, but it just resonates so clearly with me. And I love that word curiosity that you keep referring to and is in the model because I just think, and I'd love to hear your opinion, there seems to be so much judgment in the world today as opposed to curiosity. What's your perspective on that? that oh, you, you're definitely touching on it there. And, and it, it is fascinating how, so we all know that in our busy lives, having pre-assessed things makes us more efficient, but it doesn't make us more effective. And that, that, I think, is actually, you know, the effective means doing the right thing, where efficient means doing stuff faster. This point about judging, it reduces your own potential. It reduces the potential of all the relationships you ever have. It's just such a big liability when you, um, when you stop and become, start to become aware of it. And then, then the thing that I, that I love is actually humbly trying to not be prejudging is you actually you learn so much more and then then all of a sudden there's people that you may have judged and you don't judge them and they are you know they're absolutely amazing humans and you go wow i would never have known that if i um had have had that sort of judgment being my default and i think that that's the other bit as well you know in this conversation is challenging some of your defaults and assumptions um just opens you up to be a bigger bigger human Um, which is the exciting part, I think, for a lot of this stuff and explore. Can we move on to expand, which is the the third part? And there's a a link between curiosity, again, as there is through this whole process and perspectives. Tell us a bit about this expand part of the four disciplines. The expand part is about having worked or been brought into lots of circumstances where people are stuck. And it's not uncommon for any of us to get to a spot where you go, like, you know, we've done all these good things, but the stuff going on at the moment, I just feel stuck. Having the realisation that that actually finding, creating pathways, you know, the divergent thinking uh, is, is just such a, gets so many people out of being stuck, either stuck at a level, uh, stuck in a, in, a, in a market, stuck in a sort of set of circumstances, actually finding Having practices that open up open up options, open up potential, open up pathways. There's a psychological part of that is actually anyone who knows they've got options just feels more powerful and better in themselves. 
you know, and people without options, that's almost one of the definitions of depression, right? So so there's a psychological part to it. But I think intellectually as well, I mean, sometimes you just cannot work out another way. You cannot, you sort of feel stuck with the the mental model or the operating system that you got, where in the expand, it is actually about practices that open up options. You know, simple examples of that include if I've been sort of stuck in a, you know, we used before the sort of the functional silo and you actually get to have an end-to-end view where you can see what the customer wants all the way through to the suppliers and stuff like that, That that's that's an example of a expanded perspective. So uh, being able to zoom out, so sort of zoom out to the, the uh, helicopter view or the you know, the 30,000 feet sort of jet view or, the, you know, Google, think about Google Earth, being able to sort of stand back and see the big picture of the globe versus being able to zoom in and see, the, you know, we've got so many analytics capabilities now we can zoom in. And, you know, that zoom in, zoom out can sometimes open up amazing insights. Using different visual tools to expand what we're seeing. Then also actually talking with others and back to that pre-judgment point of view sort of you know i think it's a when you think about expanding uh, perspectives you know for the last couple of hundred years um, white males have probably had a fairly strong voice in the world of perspectives but it's when you look at the seven and a half billion people that it is in the world it's it's absolutely a minority perspective and so thinking you know even just thinking at that sort of uh, bigger humanity perspective there's so many um so many angles to look at a problem and you know i think that we get caught we get caught in a paradigm and people can get stuck where the expand exercises are you know what if what if i look at this from a customer's perspective what if i look at this from a um the people down the roads the neighbor's perspective what if i look at this from my partner's perspective you know it just starts to open up different angles on the world i know through your experiences in the workplace you've got fantastic knowledge in that lean and continuous improvement space through the organization you work with is that i'm just trying to understand that in my own words again is that spanned that really that mindset of continuous improvement there's always things that we can do better we've got to look at things from different angles and really that again that curiosity bit that is is heavily overlapped in here is is that sort of where that comes from Yes and no. Um, so what, one of my observations, like as you say, I, I've had the absolute good fortune of being coached and schooled by some world-class players in, in the lean place in my in my early management through world-class organisations like Kimberly Clark and Diageo, but also when we're doing the Golden Circle, having sort of some leading global players be our sort of coaches and stuff like that, looking cross cross-organisational, end-to-end, industry-wide value streams and things. However, the expand is actually to look at it from other perspectives, and I think it's it, it is more that sort of the science, the science mind of actually looking at opening up even bigger. And I think that one of the limiting there's there's a limiting part to just following someone's view too hard in a book. So like actually having that expert give you their view only, and that the expanding is actually even trying to expand beyond uh, one expert framework or another not getting stuck in in one one model of thinking is probably more where the expand's coming from. Okay, I understand. Really that growth side, I suppose, is that right? Yeah, totally. And and so so the interesting thing is that um and I think ha- having been involved, I, I've, um, at different t- jobs I've been on in the past, we actually have we, you know, we've written up some stuff that's been sort of leading edge and whatever. Quite often and I know that you know 
people sort of look to role models like you know, Toyota and places like that. Quite often by the time it's in a book that you're learning about it, it's actually they've already moved on from it. And I know, I know on leading edge work that I've been involved in, by the time it's actually published, it's a job you did three or four years ago. So I, I guess more of the expand is, for me is actually about being that real um, learner picking up from all sorts of schools of thinking and not being just stuck in one school of thinking is more where the, uh, the expand stuff comes from. Because it's been quite fascinating if you follow the worlds of sort of science and uh, philosophy, that science and philosophy were really separate camps of thinking. And as both of them have progressed in the last probably 50 years, there's even more and more overlap and even people are sort of seeing more and more overlap. So I think that actually being more of a renaissance person, sort of looking at it from so many perspectives, is where the uh, mind expansion can happen. In a practical sense, how would you help a leader in this context expand themselves? If they're not, not sure what the opposite of expand is, to be honest, but if they're not expanding, how do you help them expand? So one of the classic ways um, that I did did a lot of was actually sort of big picture mapping, sort of end-to-end value stream mapping and helping them see what was happening, you know, in other parts of bigger end-to-end sort of process deliveries. That that way, that way That is a very common way of doing it. But I also think actually providing them with exercises and tools to start to sort of analyse things differently. Uh, it, it's amazing in this day of so much data how – even you know, even really good executive teams can can get um, get trained into sort of looking at reports and board reports and uh, management reports from one angle or another. So you know, one of the other expand angles is actually getting is helping people see their own data from the time or the different time perspectives. So uh, your past, present, and future, and even though and actually sort of helping them see better better real time indicators play with different time horizons in the forward and, and in the past and in the future. All of these things give us different pictures. So helping, so I've done a lot of work with actually like on that sort of uh, analytical side, but also then the, the leadership side of just seeing other angles. And, and a lot of it isn't really about, you know, sort of pushing the barrow. It is actually about giving people more pathways, getting people to see things from different angles. Let's complete the picture. The final piece of the, the puzzle, so to speak, is exert. What does that mean? For me, this uh, maybe it's not profound for others, but it was definitely been profound for me, is that actually how many really well-intended strategies never actually get followed through? Most of us can relate to this at a, at a very individual level. If you think about New Year's resolutions, or um, or that amazing habit that I'm going to start that I'm going to take up, but but at a at an organisational leadership team point of view, how many leadership teams get together and there's this really positive buzz about them, they talk about all this sort of good stuff, and you know 12 18 months later, they really haven't got the traction. It just hasn't actually happened. And that that puzzle for me was that what is that about? That's been a part of the puzzle that I've definitely dwelled on a lot in this whole journey that we're talking about. And fascinatingly, you know, so many teams give so much energy to one period, but then they actually don't um, they don't have the energy to go again. So my early sort of reflections on this were, you know, that's actually there's a there's a respect for people part in this as well. But I think that actually that this is where it loops back to that self accountability thing we were talking about before. If, if you actually are doing 
strategy with people and you and you have not got into if you have not hooked into their self accountability you never actually have the energy to to exert and follow through you you mentioned jim collins before he um with the the study of the good to great and, and the comparator companies and all of that sort of stuff where they were looking at the organizations that were doing a good job in each industry versus the one that sort of stood way higher and you may remember that sort of whole chapter where they talked about um Yes, and this is going back, you know, the Americans with their rah-rah sort of style of motivation and they and the researchers and the research party were having their own realisation that it seems like the companies that are excelling are hiding from us how they're motivating their people. And then the, then the researchers having their own aha that they weren't motivating their people. They had actually just aligned with self-accountable people who were doing what they wanted to do, and they actually are able to align that energy with the organisation's direction, and that there's something quite profound in that, and that's that's actually something that I've, with that awareness, I've, I've built that into into sort of looking at organisations, and and you you can actually build that, but if you are a leadership team that don't build that, you don't have the practices of exert. The way I see that, Bernie, and please correct me if I'm wrong, there's this exert piece, and I want to pick up on what you said just before around sometimes these leadership teams don't have the energy to go again. Is that the way this model works and how you've explained it to me, and I'm just trying to put it in something simple for, for me to understand, is that if they don't do this expose, the explore, and the expand bit so well, then would that lead them to be fully exerted and not wanting to go again? Is that how that comes together? Yeah, so, so the sad thing is actually turning up at a place where they haven't been um, doing exercises to expose, yeah, or, or any time it is exposed, it's exposed by external people. And unfortunately, that happens quite a lot in um, some of the bigger institutions where they haven't been actually exploring their reality, where they haven't been expanding their horizons, and they haven't connected with the uh, – with real meaning for the people and self-accountability for the people. People are there just doing the – they're doing the job, but they're not actually um, living with deep meaning in their life. So a part of – well, a part I'm sort of thinking in there, so like is actually leaders getting in beside their colleagues and really understanding their dreams and aligning, aligning that so that they are actually fulfilling themselves while they're actually working in your team, that actually is sort of really at the nub of um, a lot of the exert stuff. Can I say that coaching falls within the exert stuff? I think coaching coaching actually helps people to expose and explore and expand and exert. So the other thing which is interesting around the four of these is that it does match up very much with learning pathways not just intellectual learning pathways but the any learning pathways that have um that more competency things so like actually sort of top level sporting teams or 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 a trade they actually sort of go through you know different words and slightly different frames but a lot of these same principles of actually sort of seeing the gaps digging more deeply into it expanding understanding the different options and then and then sort of connecting it with um your own meaning and life as well as um, accountabilities. Thank you so much for sharing that. As I said before, I really look forward to getting the book so I can explore this a little bit more. 
on that topic, what was it that drove you that you just felt you needed to share this knowledge, these reflections, these learnings with others and put this into a book? Yeah, so no, that, that's a good question. So I was finding that, uh, that there was things missing in the strategy execution space for me and, and actually sort of trying to get clear on that. And then I I wanted to reaffirm some of the real fundamental principles. I think that a lot of people get um, a lot of people get wrapped up in wanting to brand certain packages of solutions. Where I sort of wanted to dig past that, you know, what is more fundamental, but then also actually how to increase the, or you know, as I've sort of called it, change fitness. But it, so that we're actually able to adapt and learn, and as teams and uh, and as leaders of organisations more. So and then sort of helping people, helping people to be able to do that and and. I guess have my own clarity to be able to explain the message was where, you know, it's been the value of the book for me, sort of not just mumbling with someone about a, a point here or there, but trying to um, capture, you know, in a more clear explanation so that they can they can take it away and own it rather than some someone else rambling on for them. Mate, if I'm walking into a bookstore and I have no idea what what sort of book I'm looking for, I may be a leader, I may not be a leader. What sort of mindset does the person need to have who would be attracted to purchase this book? I think anyone who's reflective of what's going on in the world at the moment, who has their own mission in life or their own cause, their own why that they want to pursue, and some level of awareness that um, I, I need some enablers to be able to get myself and my team around me on that journey. So, so, I, I, so I've really written this book for, for those leaders who want traction towards their own mission their own cause, their own why. I, I sort of think a little bit like fitness, it is an enabler. People who, who actually are looking forward, wanting to make things happen and who are looking for enablers to be able to to do that in a, in a better way. You haven't talked about these three examples in this interview, but I know you've used the terms conscious, subconscious and unconscious leader before. Maybe <laughs> yeah, just yeah. really briefly, just explain what those three terms are and what, which of those categories or, or only category that you would feel you need to be in as a leader to, to be attracted to this, this information and in that reflective state. Yeah. So, so I think actually there's a lot of really experienced uh, transformational leaders around the place and the ones that are reflective and sort of are doing their transformational work consciously, they're obviously the conscious ones. And they, you know, they may have already done some amazing, amazing work, but they, they would, with the things that are going on at the, at the moment in the world, the people that I know that are conscious are doing a lot of reflection on how do we make sure that we, you know, keep making the world a better, a better place out of these sort of challenges and, um, and really grow our people and, and be a really positive uh, impact those conscious people, definitely, this is very much in their in their sort of space because they would be aware of they'd, they'd have a lot of these things in their own head. But actually, hopefully, I've, I've really made a section to to speak to those people where adding further tools that they can use and sort of um, share with their teams. Because you know, if you are conscious, you know that you've got to be actually um, you've got to be building others around you. You know, no one of us can do this sort of stuff by ourselves. So being a teacher. And hopefully um, I'm providing sort of exercises for a lot of those people to, to be a teacher. The group sort of the semi-conscious. I think um, there's a period of a bit of awakening going on for a lot of transformational leaders that we have to change some of the things that we've done in the past. And I think for them this is actually um, 
if they take the time to actually open it up and have a read, there's actually a lot of stuff to really help them on their journey in an accelerated way. And then there is chunks of the market that I don't think this book is for, to be quite frank. Um, you know, people that are that are not really wanting to transform business and transform the the uh, community and have big impact that are just in business for you know making a dollar, making a living. You know, some of this stuff's probably just a bit more than they. Yeah, more than they were going to be interested in. So I'm quite comfortable with that. It is the people that are wanting to lean in and have that have a bigger impact than just uh, making a living. Mate, just a little bit earlier, you talked about mission and, and this book and these concepts, these pillars, foundations, enabling the leader's mission. So what's your mission? What impact are you trying to have through this book and through your learnings that you've had and bringing it together? One of the things about being around the block a couple of times is you get to sort of think, well, what are the what are the recurring patterns of where I've really um, really thrived, both in impact and um, that personal level of of thriving. And there's been a recurring theme for me about you know sort of getting in beside people, helping set people up for success, set teams up for success, and sort of chip away at, at challenges in a way that builds their confidence and helps them see bigger potential than they would have ever seen before. And so I think increasingly thinking that's probably where my life's work's at and actually help So my mission is about sort of um, being an enabler for other people to be sort of having their mission and, and really spreading the word on that is where um, I think I'm sort of set to have a significant impact. Mate, I know you will and I've seen that mindset that you've got that real giving mindset and, and enabling others to do good things through your own experiences so um, i'm pretty confident that you'll you'll do something special in that space or you already have but through this this will uh, this will expand that even further no thank you very much mate final bit of advice i mean again it's a bit funny that i asked this question because I, you've given so much advice and so much insight in this interview but if there was really one thing that you could say to yeah, a new leader or somebody who's in that transformational space that you refer to, what would that be? I think that actually, and this is why I've actually sort of differentiated change fitness from from just actually the current state excellence of your organisation, is that best advice would be to, to think about there's so much going on in this coming decade. Where are you in the ladder as far as change fitness for the next period? So totally respecting all the great work you've done, looking at forward, where is your change fitness? And and that's why I have been using questions like match fitness and change fitness because because really it's it's actually about looking at the next season in in sportsman's terms. It's not you know respecting that respecting the great work you've done in the past, but if you're going to have that impact going forward, are you actually learning enough? And that that's where you know are you learning? Are you actually teaching your team enough and that actually is why the you know the four practices are so useful building your team continually exposing exploring expanding uh, you know building the energy to exert and follow through getting those becomes a part of it and i guess not actually being overwhelmed by this coming decade is my second bit of the advice would be not getting overwhelmed by this coming decade but actually knowing and backing yourself that if you can actually be doing some of these practices and building up your change fitness, you build up your threshold and you can take on more, um, which actually makes you, uh, you know, more resilient, more viable. 
going forward. So a little bit like if I was giving you a bit of advice, you know, if you haven't been playing, um, haven't been running for a long time, I wouldn't wouldn't recommend you sort of jump in and go do a marathon. I'd recommend you sort of come along with me and we do a couple of kilometre run and maybe have a bit of a stretch and a rest after that and see us in a couple of days and sort of build it up. That, that would be my piece of advice. Don't be one of those people looking at the future and saying it's too hard. Think about how can you build yourself up and be a successful part of it. What advice would you give me, mate? I'm due to go for a beach run tomorrow with a mate. It's been about two weeks <laughs> since we've had a beach run. So what, what do you suggest I do? In, enjoy, but don't go too hard. Make sure, and, and I think my, my other piece of advice would be have a chat with him about how you're not going to leave it two weeks between runs. Give yourself some habit-forming thing to maybe catch up in a couple of days. Great advice, mate. I think I'll take that well on board. Mate, how can listeners get hold of you? You and I connected and um, have met each other through LinkedIn, so you know I, I just love to hear hear from people and sort of connect with people from, from all sort of different angles. So probably the most obvious one would be connect on LinkedIn. Um, my website, pretty easy to find. It is berniekelly.com, and I've kept my email also very easy, and I'm really you know very happy to have an email from anyone who's interested in sort of talking more about this stuff, and it is simply bernie at berniekelly.com. So I'm um, trying to make it easy to catch up with others. Mate, thank you for sharing. And and look, I second that. We we did meet through LinkedIn, as, as you said, and all of the things you've spoken about today and and all of the behaviours, you, you demonstrate that. I, we have fantastic conversations. I've really enjoyed the conversation today. What you've done and how you're bringing those learnings together through these through these disciplines and practices is is fascinating. I can't wait to read the book. I have to ask, you know, we're in the middle of May now and it's due for release in june but are you going to make us wait until the end of june or is it coming early june no at the moment the book is off with the um the printers who are promising me by the end of may so i expect uh, early june i will be in the full distribution process when um i'll have to take that extra effort to sign to sign your uh, copy mate that's what i need to do fantastic mate i look forward to it bernie Mate, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep encouraging. Keep guiding leaders so that we can keep improving the the capability and the, the leadership levels around the place. Keep doing great things, mate. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate you coming on the Culture of Things podcast today. Thanks a lot, Brendan. That concludes my two-part interview with Bernie. It was a privilege to speak with him and learn some intimate details about his impending book. It is due for release in June 2020 and I can't wait to get my hands on the signed copy, which Bernie promised me in part one of our chat. Through the book, I look forward to learning even more about Bernie's journey of discovery in bringing together the four practices of Change Fit Leadership Teams. These were my three key takeaways from part two of my chat with Bernie. My first key takeaway, leaders must be curious. Bernie mentioned how curiosity is critical in the explore discipline. You have to challenge your default assumptions. If you aren't a curious leader, how will you seek feedback and uncover your blind spots? Bernie mentioned something that particularly resonated with me. He said, pre-assessing things makes us more efficient. 
but it doesn't make us more effective. There is too much judgment in the world today. We all need to be focused on being more curious. My second key takeaway. Leaders must have a growth mindset. Bernie refers to this in the third discipline of expand. This growth mindset involves looking at things from different perspectives. Not limiting yourself to one expert framework or school of thinking. It could also be considering time perspectives like past, present and future. Bernie used two words that summed it up for me. Mind expansion. My third key takeaway. Leaders must be reflective. Throughout this two-part interview, Bernie shared some of his reflections over the last 25 years. These reflections are what has culminated in his book. Bernie described three types of leaders, the conscious, the subconscious, and the unconscious. We should all be striving to be conscious leaders, meaning we are reflective, we lead transformational work, we constantly ask questions, and we focus on how we keep improving. Reflect on how you can be a successful part of the future and take action. So in summary, leaders must be curious. Leaders must have a growth mindset. And leaders must be reflective. If you want to learn more about Bernie or order his new book titled Traction, The Four Practices of Change Fit Leadership Teams, visit www.berniekelly.com. If you have any questions or feedback about this episode, please feel free to send me a message at brendan at brendanrogers.com.au. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. Please visit brendanrogers.com.au to access the show notes. If you love the Culture of Things podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts. And remember, a healthy culture is your competitive advantage.